right. So what I was what I was saying is like like a lot of things that I'm enjoying. It's just gone downhill since whenever. So Valhalla mm-hmm. looks like absolute dog shit. Not graphically, but in terms of like what made me enjoy Assassin's Creed in the first place, it's just gone. Um, what's more, that? What what what's the? I know I haven't paid attention to Assassin's Creed since I think like for a couple years now since they went to Egypt and did did the ancient Egypt stuff but I know there was like a big shift in the gameplay so what what kind of changed coming from you too well the last one I played was Assassin's Creed 3 and that was with Connor um in Revolutionary yeah, America America yeah, yeah I, I played that one too I think the last one I played was Syndicate so when they were in London right on the Xbox um, yeah so um I've played I've played one two, Brotherhood and Revelations like all like I almost I I a hundred percent completed Brotherhood. That was the mm-hmm. that's one of the only games I've one hundred percent completed. I sunk so many hours into that fucking game. It was insane. Um. So there was just I don't know. There's just something about those old games. I can't quite put my finger on it because obviously the gameplay of the newer games is a lot smoother in most games Mm -hmm. um except for unity unity was pretty weird i actually sorry that was a lie the last game i played legitimately was three i have unity which is the one that was set in revolutionary france yeah um and that one i didn't finish because it was janky it was kind of broken it was just a, a, a weird game um in a lot of ways in terms of the combat system they tried to revamp the combat system but they kind of overcompensated um, at least it was fun to like maul through 30 guys but in like unity it's like the enemies are so tough and you really had to like sink time into upgrade systems and it was yeah I mean we're talking about Valhalla and like I, I saw did you see the gameplay trailer that just came out like earlier this week earlier this week oh, no, or maybe it was that. last week it was like it was they just had um, they just had the like a reveal trailer or reveal event right mm-hmm. maybe it was last yeah. week yeah so you saw that and i mean it looked like that kind of they were bringing that style of gameplay back that kind of like face off against uh, a bunch of enemies and you got like a good selection of weapons and i mean it doesn't look like an assassin's creed game to me though like it, it no it here's seems like I they're think, changing up their style a bit here's where i think they went wrong in assassin's creed 3 you had that ship battle mechanism that ship those ship battle mechanics i don't know if you ever played that one did they introduce that in three In three so in three you'd have specific missions um some certain campaign missions but also some side missions that involved the ship battles and the ship mechanics Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. those were so good and people praised those so much that they went in and they made the next assassin's creed game completely that which was yeah yeah black flag flag, right so here's the thing I, i dodged that one real quick here's the thing they that's where I think they messed up, right? Obviously, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, I've heard nothing but good things. But I've heard nothing about it being an Assassin's Creed game. I've heard about it being a pirate game, right? It's it's yeah. more so a pirate game than it is an Assassin's Creed game. Which so, is interesting still. Like, it's, you know, like, it's changing it up a bit. Like, for... I heard that was still a really popular game when it came out. You know, that kind of, like, changed up the the vibe a little bit just kind of tossed in a new element and then for like that year but they ran with that right they ran with that ship battle theme for like two three years 
going forward. Yeah, exactly. They and I, really... I, I'd, yeah, I, they were hammering down on that, and I, I was not really on board with it. Get it on board, but um, yeah, not, not on it. Um, so here's where I think they went wrong. It's like when they, it was successful and it was a highly praised game as it should be, but it wasn't highly praised in in it being an Assassin's Creed game as highly praised in being a pirate game. So then Ubisoft yeah. went and they focused on set pieces rather than actual Assassin's Creed gameplay. So then you go to Egypt and now we're going to Vikings. It's like, you know, it's like growing up when you're a kid and you hear about all these old cultures like pirates and vikings and ancient egyptians oh my and it's like they're just running through the cycles before Mm -hmm. you know i'm not actually getting the assassin's creed i want which is those white robes yeah jump that's kind of a long gone era that's kind of like the 360 era if i remember correctly you know that that's gone (laughs) but yeah it's it's interesting like i that's that was kind of the appeal that always lured me into it like other than the assassination gameplay that kind of stealth style and stuff but that the context of the setting that when, when you started off playing with Ezio and you're in like the renaissance Italy or maybe whenever it was that period of time um and you know you're just going from one historical period to another and when you really play the story and you see the connecting thread that really sci-fi kind of connecting thread that they have going on with the garden of Eden and the apples and stuff like that right and I didn't play enough of um the franchise to kind of get the whole idea of the story, but I liked what they were doing. So I kind of liked the fact that origins went to Egypt and then they went to Greece and like, they're kind of peering through history and giving their like point of view, I guess, or their story or putting their story in between like our known history, I guess. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to see this game. I, I saw a couple of videos like from some of the reviewers that we watch and stuff on YouTube that like who have played early access it looks all right. It's, you know, doesn't look anything crazy to me. Like, I'm not going to hop at it first day out or anything like that. I, I don't think I've ever done that for an Assassin's Creed game. But to me, like, it seemed like coming from that, that style of gameplay and the story and setting, like, I thought you would probably be, like, jumping at that game. But it, I'm not getting that vibe for, for Valhalla. Why? Because my haircut? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Cheney's um, Cheney's basically cosplaying as the the co- the box Ragnar. art cover guy from that, yeah. or like the, the guy from the Vikings, or you know that that's yeah, who exactly. you are pretty much right now. Um, normally I would jump at this stuff because I fucking love Norse shit. You know, I didn't have a, yeah. I don't have a PS4, but I still watched all of the God of War shit that happened because mm-hmm. all that was based in North mythology, Norse mythology, and that's what's got me hyped about Elden Ring, as we talked about last week too. Is a Norse-like mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also hyped for Assassin's Creed games, and this doesn't look like an Assassin's Creed game. It, it looks like a Viking game. It looks like a Viking game. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, is that gonna is that really bad? Like, No, but, like, don't put you know, an like, Assassin's that's kinda, Creed stamp on it, man. Right, right. I think you're. that's, that's an interesting point. I, I kind of thought the same thing. I would have been more interested in the game if they didn't brand it as Assassin's Creed. If this was like a Viking experience, similar to what Ghost of Tsushima is branding itself as, like genius, right? Like it's if that was Assassin's Creed really missed the jump at the whole Japanese arc of um, you know, that whole setting and that gameplay and everything like that, you know? But thank God, like I, I think they would have fumbled it a little bit. And I'm hearing good things from Ghost of Tsushima, you know? You know me, man. In an hour I'm gonna be playing that game. I'm pretty fucking amped. 
I'm ready to go. But like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like if they took that Assassin's Creed name out of it, they're like, let's just make a crazy Viking game, put you in the seat of a Viking, you know, and, and just go ham, go, go to town, go on raids, do all the fun shit you want to do. Um, this is, this is what I was thinking today. I was watching a stream. Someone I was watching, um, had early access to ghost of Tsushima and, um, all I could think about was for like the first five minutes, me watching it, I'm like Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft missed the boat so hard on making a Japanese Assassin's Creed game. And now if they yeah. try, they're just going to look oh, so no. silly. They're going to look so stupid, bro. Like they, they can't, they basically can't. No, and like even, even this game is, it's like, it's, it's showing me the Assassin's Creed gameplay or Assassin's Creed like gameplay right. that I yep. like so much. It's like climbing walls, like stealth, like you, you get presented with like this room situation. You kind of like try to check everyone's eyesight, like where they're looking, what's their walking paths. You know, how can I either move around this or move through this without being seen to get to my objective? And it's just, yeah. A lot of what the newer Assassin's Creed games to me felt like it, like they didn't really emphasize that stealth, you know, they kind of had, they had like padded missions, like stalking missions and escort missions. And um, a lot of the gameplay was like sort of battle simulator, not necessarily stealthy assassin. And yeah, um, I think and and that verticalness, right, of the games that it used to have where you're, you're going, you're jumping from rooftop to rooftop, like that that was the fun part of it you know like your your parkour like that that whole aspect of traversal and like i i i watched the videos of the recent games that have come out the gameplay bit it doesn't look like that to me you know like it, it looks like a completely new style of game that they're doing and which is cool but it's it doesn't look like ghost of tsushima the way they're really focused in on that japanese samurai experience like that whole era that whole vibe like i'm with it i'm with that game yeah if you go back and you look at like the CG trailers for Assassin's Creed were incredible. Like I, I, yeah, I love them. Um, if you go back and you look at the Assassin's Creed two CG trailer or the Assassin's Creed brotherhood CG trailer or the three CG trailer or even unity, right. There's an emphasis on assassination, right? You're an assassin. And the assassin, you being the assassin, right? Exactly. I'm looking at the, cover arts for all the games right like i'm just scrolling through the google page of it and it's you know like you are this hooded figure you, that's you and and that was the whole point of it and it's like they've drifted away from that now right i guess yeah, that's so like if you get... look at look at the valhalla cg trailer what is the emphasis yeah. of that trailer they're in the middle of like a, a viking battle it's like the, the the assassins were never about um about like um battles they're about well guess what assassinations right and like revolutions and kind of like the the mantra kind of underground shit the mantra of the assassin's creed like it's a creed much like the mandalorian Mm -hmm. it's a creed right and their mantra was we work in the we work in the shadow or whoa we work in the night to serve the light or something no we work in the shadows to serve the light right Mm -hmm. that was it yeah we work in the shadows to serve the light and that's been missing like they're just i don't know I, I don't have know. you played have you played a uh, assassin's creed syndicate no I the haven't. one that's set in london that one's a really fun one yeah that's might be the kind of 
like last game for the era we're talking about like when you're the hooded guy running around and and when they're focused on the assassination the traverse and all that like i thought the direction they were going in that game was like the right direction in, in the sense they were like really thinking about opening up the maps and the world and if you just look at any youtube video of syndicate's world like of london of i want to say that industrial era that's kind of where it's set it's so cool like it's so awesome and i was recently in london so they kind of they hit the nail on the head with all the landmarks the the historical kind of dating of it and and just being able to kind of like go through that scale model of of a, a historical city is just it's just cool kind of like appreciating that kind of side of history and you know not to get into too much like oh it's it's a history game or anything like it's that's not the point but when you have something cool like that it's it just fun you know that's it's just fun to appreciate that's something I don't understand about Valhalla. It's like, how are they going to do that type of gameplay with Viking villages, right? No, there's nothing really iconic about that setting, really. Like it, and I, I saw a reviewer, somebody was like, this looks like The Witcher, essentially, the gameplay. Like, it's very reminiscent of that setting. Yeah, so it's like, how do we go from jumping rooftop to rooftop, like, in Renaissance Italy, climbing the Colosseum, um, even in fucking um, Unity, like traveling through uh, Revolution Paris and just going like going to Notre Dame and being able to climb it and, and see that. And then obviously with London, you could probably see some cool sites and like see the historical sites. And that's what I liked a lot about those older Assassin's Creed is because... And they is even like a- brought... Yeah, they, they just kind of leveled up in... in- that style of gameplay they added a new layer to it each and every time like i remember with assassin's Creed 3 you they took you out of europe essentially right putting you in in america like the developing america and you're not like they kind of trick you with that game at first when you when you begin playing it you're at first you um if i'm not mistaken you're playing as an assassin who's actually a templar right you're playing as He's not he's not even an assassin. He is a Templar. He is a Templar, right? But yeah. but right. So and the game transitions to his son later on who is half uh like native, half American, I guess, and Spanish. and you just No, it's not Spanish, is it? Sorry, his native. um he's native and he is his father came from London, but he's of Spanish descent. Yeah, I know there, that that story kind of connects a little bit with his father in, in different games. I remember reading about right, that somewhere. Right, Black Flag, he plays his grandfather. Sure, yeah, that's it right there. Right. So it, it I, I remember when I played that, um, that kind of caught me off guard. Like, I wasn't expecting such a drastic change in setting. Like, now you're playing predominantly in the woods, and that level of assassination kind of missions where you're stealth killing these patriotic, like, um, you know, the red and blue uh, soldiers and shit like that, like you're in a different setting altogether now you're in the woods you're climbing on from branches to branches and climbing on mountaintops and you have a horse and like it's just and then from the next game going onward they like completely switch it up again so like they still maintain that level of game design i guess that stealth game design but added new elements whether it was the setting or with syndicate they added like almost like a grand theft auto kind of um kind of like horse chase mechanism like which is really like honestly fun like drifting on horse chariots like there was like a chariot aspect to it if you've ever seen that but yeah i mean and and with this new one with valhalla when i from what i've seen it's it just seems like take off the assassin's creed name at this point 
call it a Viking game. And, you know, that should be what it is at this point. I don't know what kind of story they're trying to tell with it, which it, it might be cool. It might be a crazy story and, uh, you know, I might end up liking it. But from a gameplay standpoint, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, just to maybe wrap up on this, I, I just want my white robes back, man. I just want my <laughs> right, white robes with the hood on because I just, I don't know. Whoa, what kind of white robes? That's a, oh, okay, wait, wait, hey, hey, a different kind hey, of image. Hey, 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 hey. Clarify that. White. Oh, that doesn't make it a better never mind I was yeah gonna say, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say white and red never mind. never mind let's scrap that yeah uh yeah well guys welcome to another monumental episode of mythic morons uh got sit over here and i'm cheney and um yeah we've had an interesting week this week i guess i'll kind of start off by saying i've i have a little anticipation for midnight tonight fun little um actually like probably my most anticipated game of the year I guess coming out Friday. So we're recording this Thursday nights coming out Friday and that's ghost of Tsushima. We kind of hinted upon that just earlier and yeah, I've, I've got it pre-ordered already download and kind of, I'll just start by saying like, it feels like a game that's almost uh, like really just like hitting the nail on like the Taylor, Taylor made um, for you. Yeah. Like really knocking on the door saying, here you go, spend some more money even though you've already done enough of that on video games. But yeah, it's just like as soon as they, I heard they were like, well, yeah, we're going to call this thing a Kurosawa experience and all of that kind of touching on the Japanese history of, of cinema. And like, I'm like, man, like, fuck. I'm ar- I was already on board from the trailer, but now you're really luring me in here. So I'm really uh, excited. I've been watching a lot of Japanese samurai movies this week too, kind of preparing myself for that. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. That's that's one thing that I think is um, I'm hearing good things about also, and um, I guess you're not going to be able to play because you don't have a PS4, which is sad. No, but I have seen gameplay of it, and it looks like astonishing. Like the the, the way the grass moves in the wind, the way the wind. I don't know if you saw in the trailers, but the, like the wind is your is your, your guiding your, map. It, yeah, so your, it's like, not like you have like a waypoint of. on a compass like you do other games. It's, it kind of keeps mm. you immersed where like you follow the wind or you follow a bird or you follow an animal and it brings you to a place of interest. So it's like they really I know like they really emphasize immersion with this game and it seems like it's going to work and I'm excited for you to play it cuz I know Yeah. Well, um, I was telling you earlier you're on like I was just thinking about streaming my experience playing it so like i haven't streamed anything before but i feel like it would be cool to kind of like just give my thoughts about it kind of touching on how cinema might have influenced like japanese cinema akira kurosawa like i know he's a big influence on the developers of this game from what i've heard sucker punch is really like kind of making an homage to him and the jedi geki films like the samurai films of the the 50s and 60s and stuff like that so i'm really excited to see where he where they are um touching upon i guess what what they're kind of bringing in it's i've heard it's a really uh like um om- uh, homage kind of experience so the whole thing it's not like historically realistic or anything like that it's really just kind of immersing you like you said um into the experience of that world of that era so i'm looking forward to it um it looks beautiful like not to use that world word to kind of throwing it around but for i mean like a next generation game like it just looks really like just mesmerizing like everything looks very uh thought out from the different areas of the map 
I know it's a pretty big sized open world and you're going from region to region and each region is kind of distinctly uh, identified from like mountain ranges or kind of like farmlands I guess but each kind of area has different very beautiful characteristics to it like as eastern Japanese lands kind of that mystical sense you know that you would get and um I'm just yeah I got like Red Dead 2 vibes kind of off that kind of the horseback riding experience of it but obviously not set in America kind of set in the samurai landscape so I'm excited for that gameplay that gameplay looks friggin sick um getting to play as a samurai yeah the attention to detail I'm seeing coming out of this game is insane whether that be like the homage to cinema where they're introducing that black and white mode or um just keeping the immersion with those little gameplay changes or it's like there's also a lot of detail like i was watching and it's like the costume designs are incredible and like you i know you can sort of mix and match and create your own samurai or your own ghost i think yeah and i I like that aspect that they have to it that dual nature aspect of the character it's we were touching upon this with the assassin's creed thing but it's taking that element of stealth and assassinations that assassin's creed did well you know for a really long time and is making like a character trait out of it so as a character you're like a Jin, i believe is his name that you kind of control and play like you start off as a straightforward samurai and you know like the samurais are are a very noble and and courage uh like courageous and very honorable warrior clan um and that means like they don't they don't partake in like really trickery or deceitful kind of warfare they're really respectful of their enemy and kind of noble in that sense you know what i mean they announce so, like they for example they they announce their name to each other before they yes, fight yeah exactly like the that. long introductions the it's it's like the opposite of there's a lot of similarities between western kind of gunfighters and the samurai battles but it's it's still really different like in in the sense of pace and tone where the samurai where which is like based in the east obviously is a lot more patient a lot more kind of um i want to say more in tune with nature in that sense of like fighting and and uh like kind of sensing other enemy and stuff stuff like that and anyways that kind of aspect of choosing between the ghost and the samurai because Jin as a character is in the middle like he doesn't fully believe in the samurai ways which um you know i i did a lot of research on samurais and they have this bushido code which is what they follow which is kind of like the whole you know respect your enemy like respect your prey like all that kind of stuff and he's kind of tiptoeing on the other side of like you know what like this is a different war we're fighting this is a different enemy we have to fight different too so mm-hmm. i'm interested to see how how much freedom you get i guess in, in between that yeah, i think they, you know, they I, take that I, I like when games yeah they take yeah, that sorry, philosophy go ahead. They, and they put it into the gameplay so it's kind of like a yeah not choose your own adventure but like you can choose how to handle a situation whether or or there's it adds replayability and it adds like sort mm-hmm. of like what's your personality i know if i were to play this game exactly like yeah. the first playthrough i'd probably not to fucking toot my own horn or nothing but like i'd probably play like the honorable samurai way whereas like you know later on if i want to revisit the game then i can try the sneaky bullshit ninja way so yeah and um, i hope they give that option kind of freedom wise where you can approach a mission differently you know as you see 
uh, as you see fit. Because I know they're they have a lot of like through customization, a lot of different way you can uh, use your armor, use your your perks and whatever in game perks they have, and your weapons and stuff like that. And and so like I hope it's not like a really um, linear kind of game play where it's it's like okay so get to this point and and play a certain style fight this enemy in a certain way like very predictable i i hope it's kind of um sandboxy i guess you know from what i saw like in an early mission this is like no spoilers but um you're given a situation where you're hiding in some tall grass and you see like a um uh, a troop of men walking down the the road and um, you have the option to either stand off with the leader of that group or to stay hidden and sneak around them. So mm. it's it it I think early on they set the tone. They're like, okay, you have a choice to be who you want and do what you yeah. want. How you how you confront uh, conflict, how you take on, you know, whatever uh, battle is ahead. That's cool. I, I found that the most appealing part of the game, honestly. Uh, it reminds me of a lot of um the old uh, force unleash games um when you, you you had that that the force meter and it kind of controls like your light side dark side kind of energies and a, a lot of games kind of implement that um kind of middle like where you stand as a personality or like as a character um whether you turn into a bad guy or a good guy in the game i know gta has kind of like a variation on that um what else like a lot of games do that Even so i old, wonder if there's um, that kind of system in place Knights of the old republic it's like certain like yeah, Knights choose, of the Republic for sure. Choose to go more light side, dark side. Then you have certain yeah. abilities that are unlocked, or certain abilities that get locked. And it, um, and it opens with I know that that's such a like a deep game, and that probably like opens up different story points even with the type of character you make. Yeah, and I don't know how deep they're going with Ghost of Tsushima. I, I've heard it's kind of a contained game, a very um, like it's a very contained experience in what they're trying to do. It's not like anything crazy anything revolutionary in sense of game design or play or whatever um but i'm i'm looking forward to it i'm excited yeah um i'm excited too. and I, yeah i'll probably i'm probably gonna watch some more uh samurai movies following up like just to kind of like uh go with the flow that i'm on and probably by next week give my my thoughts on the game for the ep- for the next episode great but what have you been doing cheney this week well what have you been up to Sorry, I'm just tending to the dog. She's being weird. But um, so, so far, I've just been playing more Halo. I finished Halo Reach, which is nice. the, um, the prequel, Bungie's last game. Um, Are you playing the whole collection in order right now? Yeah. No, actually, I kind of switched that up because mm. um, I'll get to that, though. Um, so I finished okay. Reach. I forgot how kind of maybe short that game is. Um. I thought it was longer. Maybe I'm just way better now than I was when I was younger, and I know how to zoom through the levels. Um, yeah, you're kind of you might be speed running a little bit subconsciously. Yeah, subconsciously speed running. So um, that was sort of disappointing. Um, story wasn't as fleshed out as I remember it being. Um, when I took the nostalgia glasses off, it was sort of like um, it didn't really feel like a classic Halo story. Um, in terms of like the mainline series, but it was sort of its own contained thing. Um, and it really did help expand my interest in the series in different ways f- away from the mainline. It's like, yeah. Um, how character- long are the, the games campaign wise? How, how many hours have you been playing? 
Um, oh, geez. Campaigns can take, like, like I said, it just really depends on your play style. Some of the missions, like, they show, at least in the Master Chief Collection, they show, like, the par time and the par score for missions. And mm -hmm. um, par time for a lot of missions is, like, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and there's about 12 or so missions. So do the math. But um, it's... Uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know, I kind of wanted a little more. Um, I kind of wanted my nostalgia to be realized, to be confirmed, but it wasn't fully. Now that I'm sort of returning back to it, I can understand why some people felt negative about this game that I generally still love and did love, but I still love it. Um, they nail the ending. The ending is... Um, the ending's something else. The ending is like some like something really different. Um, so basically, like the background being that Reach is this militarized planet in the Halo universe. It's another planet that the humans went and they colonized and they militarized, and it's sort of like um, a mainline area for um, the Spartan program, which is a super soldier program, and that's what you play as. You play as a Spartan, um, and throughout Halo One, Two, and Three. You sort of get like whispers of um, the fall of Reach and the tragedy of Reach. Um, sort of in the same way the Clone Wars is referenced through the, the mainline OT Star Wars. Right. Yeah. So when they actually visit it and you actually go and you and you realize how the tragedy of Reach played out and um, and what your character's role is it is in it. Um, you don't play as the Master Chief, you play as Noble Six, and they really go back to that um, first Halo game sort of thesis of allow allowing the player to embody this sort of emotionless, um, doesn't talk too much. It's just like you, you, it's your Spartan, and even like the armor customization you have for multiplayer, it shows up in the campaign as well. So it it really was this emphasis on you are the Spartan, this is you. So the way it connects to the mainline series is the last mission you hand off something important to Halo 1 to the ship that Halo 1 starts on, right? So that's just a nice little um, main connection to the series. But then mm -hmm. the last mission is called Lone Wolf. Um, and like the only way to beat Lone Wolf is to die, but you don't realize that. And you're in this misty like dusty destroyed town and just hordes of alien are coming at you and it's never really explored in the main series the horror of what the covenant is and the covenant in reach is like legitimately scary and that's something i always like go back to like fighting the covenant in one two and three i mean yeah they're evil aliens but they're almost kind of goofy and whimsical in a way and halo reach really explores like how actually terrifying this alien invasion really is and um the ending scene of your character getting pinned down and like skewered to death it was you know it always gets me and it's always leaves me with a positive note but yeah um <laughs> that's interesting I'm, yeah interesting message to just take how, that. Just, it like 
positive being like, oh yeah, I, I remember how fucking good this game is. And, and yeah, no, no, I, I know what you mean. When, when like the game starts to take itself a little more seriously and, and, and its own story and what it sets up and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, other than that, I can still see like Halo Reach did get criticized and I can definitely understand the criticisms. Um, my sort of positives for the game outweigh what a lot of the criticisms are. Um, the Spartan team you're a part of, they, it isn't re- they aren't really well characterized throughout the cutscenes, yeah, but like that was one complaint is that like the Spartan team you're supposed to be a part of and you're supposed to care as like they sort of fall one by one and you see it happen and like um, we're supposed to care, but you don't really just based off the cutscenes. But like if you actually take time to um, look at their personality within the gameplay, you know, they kind of grow on you a bit. And again, I'm trying to take away nostalgia and look at this thing from a more critical eye now point, uh, a more critical mm-hmm. eye now. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I still think it holds up, um, but I can definitely still see why people didn't like it. Um, and then, Going back to Halo 1, and I'm playing on classic graphics because you can choose. Um, I can definitely see why people didn't like Reach because that mainline Halo, Halo series just hits different. <laughs> it just hits way different for me. Um, Halo 1 is sort of. Um, how do I even explain it, man? Like, I, I fucking teared up playing, replaying Halo 1 again because it's just, like, it's one of those video games. It's, like, it's just that thing when you're a kid and you realize and it just blows your mind of what, you know, a medium is, is capable of. Um, mm. Like, through music, through game design, through art style, everything. It's just, like, this, you know... And I, I do compare it to Star Wars because, like, a lot of what Star Wars was was an accident, right? Episode 4 was, like, a miracle that anything worked out that way. For sure, yeah. And that's the same thing with the first Halo. Like, the first Halo was going to be an RTS game, so, like, a StarCraft game type game for the Mac until Microsoft bought up the studio and they're like, no, we want a first-person shooter. And then you realize how, yeah. like, how... They like Bungie. They must bust. have made some big ass, yeah, big leaps. Bungie bust like but busted their balls to get this thing out, and yeah. they like still revolutionized the shooter in the first place. You know that that little thumbstick that helps you look around in first person shooters, right? Yeah, you can thank Halo for that because before people are using like D pads and buttons mm. to look around in first person shooters, at least on console. No one tried to make first person shooters for console because they thought it was so hard. But Halo made this big leap with the dual analogs on the Xbox controller, and they're able to like revolutionize how first-person shooters are played on consoles. Yeah, um, definitely. I think popularized for you know the Xbox at least, but in general, the genre you know of first-person shooters and stuff like that. And and that's not the first time I've heard the comparison with Star Wars too. I've definitely heard that um, side-by-side comparison. So like, and then but even like. Like, it initially being an RTS game, um, 
that actually sort of worked out in the benefit for the first person shooter because first person shooter campaigns at the time were kind of and they still are especially for games like call of duty and whatnot um no offense to call of duty i still love a lot of the call of duty campaigns but they're sort of shooting galleries right the, the 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 AI isn't really smart. Like they sort of peek and you just headshot them and you shoot them. It's like a it's like a carnival game kind of. But because Halo was an RTS game and the AI for an RTS game has to be able to adapt to battle situations and have tactics because it is a tactic game. Um, right, you're you're facing off a smarter a smarter system essentially right so you're facing off against enemies that adapt and have changing behaviors and have certain roles right so it it complete and it still holds up like the 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 gameplay loop of fighting the covenant still holds up today um and it just goes to show like how i like i always try to put my put myself back in the shoes of 2001 when i go back to the original halo to realize like how fucking mind-blowing this game must have been at the time and it still blows my mind that they were able to pull it off so it's just it's always such a joy to go back to halo one and man the second mission when you realize like like the first mission is like it's tight corridors inside a spaceship and right it's it's sort of like a it was sort of typical indicative of of what first person shooters were back in the day Mm -hmm. but then that second mission where you actually get onto the halo ring and you have this open map and you got these wide canyons that you're going through and you have you know choices of where to go and how to complete the mission and it's just the sandbox is so expansive and it's like it's still linear gameplay because you still have a linear objective it's just the way you tackle it allows for you know allows you to inject your own personality into master chief and adds that replayability and I'm still surprised when I come back to Halo 1 and I I'm still seeing things I missed and I don't know how because I've played through that campaign like at least 20 times it's I don't know it's incredible um but it also pisses me off because it's still janky in some places so I rage quit and I started up Halo 2's campaign (laughs) so that's what I was getting to about before about I was planning on playing them all in a row, but um, one particular situation within Halo 1 pissed me off so much, but I didn't want to stop playing Halo, so I started up um, Halo 2's campaign, and fucking <laughs> Yeah, holy, it just starts somewhere in a different story. Holy shit, man. Halo 2 is like... Oh, jeez. Halo 2 is, is equally as mind-blowing for the time. And I don't know how they did it again, but it's like, it's crazy how much they improved everything, right? Because a lot of what was successful about Halo 1 was an accident, right? But they were able to realize that what made it successful, but then purpose built the game towards that success, if that makes sense. So it just focused the game even more, and it's just, it shows. And I, you know, I, I don't know, I just love those games so much, and that's... That's what I've been gaming. Um, yeah, in preparation for Infinite to come out, essentially. Yeah. Or at least the trailer. At least the trailer to come they out. They should show gameplay next next week. They should. Yeah, no, I, I bet they would. I bet they would. I bet it's like, it's that time where, you know, they got to lure some people in. Absolutely. Um, other than Halo, 
um, I've been watching something. Yeah, what's that? Are you familiar with the Big Les Show? The Big Les, Les Show, L-E-Z. No, I have definitely not heard that. Okay, wow, it's uh, it's something. It's all on YouTube for free. Um, it is. So it's a more like a more like a YouTube show. Yeah, but something special about it. I don't know. Oh, what the fuck? This looks like a. This looks weird. I'll, I'll let you go on. You describe it from here now. So, like, the way I sort of compare it to, or, um, is like early South Park, in terms of just that crude, absolutely like not funny, but still kind of funny humor. If you know what I mean. It's like the jokes mm-hmm. they're saying aren't really funny, but that's what makes them funny. I don't know. <laughs> It's, is um, it like the sh- shit that nobody would say type of funny? Like you're just like, kinda, no, not you're even just forced to laugh with that type of shit, or not even. It's just like, um, I don't know. Like it because it's an, also an Australian show, so they leave lean oh, in okay. heavy to like, um, uh, like outback poor Australians and like lean into the accent, and that just makes everything funnier to me. Yeah, um, yeah, no doubt. I would just probably start laughing from like just hearing the accents but that's just yeah right and the plot doesn't make sense and the characters don't make sense and nothing makes sense but that's okay because like you know it starts out as just like some weird crude cartoon with no real punchline but like it's it's weird to see it develop and you they start to actually flesh out characters and they start to actually flesh out a plot. And then things slowly start to make sense in the context of the show. And um, they go from, like, these 30-second episodes to, like, two- or three-minute episodes. And, like, the finale for the second season is 55 minutes long. Oh, jeez. So, like, they they really they found something. And they're really letting it flesh out. And I'm actually I'm really enjoying the show. Um, it's just dumb fun to put on and, um, you know, there, yeah, so this looks like a bit of, of, of that old school YouTube. And I can already tell this is like, this oh. has been going on for a while. Like this is like 2012, the first episode aired. So yeah, this seems like peak 2012 YouTube. Yeah. Just it's by it's at definitely it. early peak YouTube. It's like, it's always fun to go back to like when YouTube was special you know yeah, I mean? when that stupid shit, when you just find that stupid shit, and then, yeah, like, um, this looks like, um, what's that show called? Just from the animation style, but um, Happy Tree Friends, did you ever watch that? Yeah, I did, unfortunately. Happy it scarred Tree- me as a kid. Yeah. That, that was, uh, yeah, like, how, that's when you realize the internet is like the Wild West, and there's nobody no filters around and yeah you can just run into anything and i'm getting those sort of vibes from from this from this big muscly dude like <laughs> i don't even know what his story is i don't no, want to know i mean no you will know because you're gonna watch it <laughs> no no i'll check it out I'll, I'll check it out just just uh so we can follow up on this because this scene is kind of interesting yeah so um, I, I can't really explain it past what i've done already um yeah i just no i like this kind it. of i like this kind of um art style that they got going on here though with this show it's very it's like it's looks like the whole thing was drawn on Microsoft Paint. It is. It's all drawn and animated <laughs> on Microsoft Paint. 
so no you're joking no i'm not it's all drawn on microsoft paint and they have shitty microphones and the sound effects that's awesome that's so awesome the sound effects are like free mp3s off websites and shit like that yeah yeah so this is just like two guys in in their basement pretty much making a tv show i think it's three guys something like that yeah Yeah. in australia in the outback yeah that's fucking awesome i'm definitely gonna check this out it's so so what's funny. the what's the name of the show again? Uh, just put it out there. The Big Les Show, L E Z. Cool. Yeah, this looks. Um, if you're interested, I guess in like South Park or um, even um, uh, what's that? F is for Family. Is that what it's called? No, it's like not even close. F is for, like the Big Les. Like it. Like and when I say South Park, I mean early South Park when they. It still- looks no no, but it looks like um. Whatever. Anyway, I don't, I haven't seen the show, so I'm not gonna try and compare it to things. You know, whatever. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. I'm definitely gonna try and check. Trust it out. me, this thing's one this of looks a kind. pretty funny. This looks cool. The fact that they made it on Microsoft Paint is just awesome. Like I I love that kind of shit where you just take, you take an idea and you make something out of it, out of nothing, essentially. You know. Yeah, and like, you know, there's love put into it because the amount of work that they actually have to do to to make these episodes oh i, I bet to make a show to microsoft paint is fuck man like i, I don't I know don't if they i don't know if it. they continued to do it with microsoft paint but i know initially it must have been off microsoft paint yeah but uh but that's still yeah no this that's yeah no that sounds interesting um i just bought a new book today i, I sent you a picture of that when i came in so yes, I'm, intri- I'm pretty excited to read that book it's uh it's a graphic novel little uh little frank miller edition to to my frank miller collection but uh yeah it's batman year one actually um which i don't really know much about i'm kind of going into a dark other than the fact that it's written by frank miller and i want to read more frank miller stuff so but um from what like i kind of flipped through it and like it's it it kind of hooked me from its visual style it's like kind of we were talking about frank miller's visual style in a couple episodes back and it hits you with that again but like it's not like it's not like any other batman graphic novel that he's done it's kind of uh old school like it's it's trying to be old school obviously because this is uh year one of batman it's his origin story essentially so yet he carries this kind of theme of colors that he chooses to use which i love um which it's like a really colorful palette but desaturated and it's hard to explain like it's it's really sticks out at you and kind of paints this um muted and kind of cold gotham city and i'm really excited to get into this uh this this his his world his depiction of batman because it's always cool to read a frank miller story and um you were you were telling me some stuff about it but are you like do you know anything about uh year one or or uh this storyline no i all i know is it's batman in his first year um yeah sort of figuring shit out um i know uh batman begins is kind of influenced off this storyline nolan's yes. batman begins batman begins uh, is um all of like two of nolan films were heavily influenced by frank miller so obviously yeah. batman begins was year one and then he took a lot of influence from the dark knight returns for yeah um the dark knight rises um but um as far as i know it's like you know, it's a Frank Miller story, so I heard it's nothing but it, good, but it's definitely not as yeah. strong as um, as his, like, well, how could it be as his, like, thing that changed the comic industry, The Dark Knight Rises. 
or the Dark Knight Returns. Returns. Sorry, mm-hmm. I always get yeah. those fucking two mixed up. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. We were just talking about the movie, so it's easy to get confused. Yeah, no, that's um, I was just kind of looking back on. I don't think I haven't read uh the novel for that yet, but I I vividly remember the movie, the animated movie, part one and part two of. It's so uh. It's like, what is this story? You, you see the tank for the first time. The or it's not even a tank, like the Batmobile, the version of the Batmobile from that iteration, and you just know you're in like a whole different world here. And that's my favorite part about Frank Miller's kind of take on the DC stories. It's, it's, else it's very elseworldly. It's like not contained in the mainline DC universe, and it's like, it's always an adult take. It's really mature kind of writing and and just taking the setting of like the superheroes more seriously kind of like you know like what if if there is a gotham city then like what are the implications of a gotham city and what are the implications of a batman existing like there's you know like one of my favorite things about uh the dark knight from christopher nolan's dark knight the movie um is like the the whole question that the joker poses is like you know like without if it wasn't for the Batman, then you wouldn't have all these villains. And like, I know a lot of other movies kind of touch on that theme, but it's interesting to kind of see like how, how like this world is spawned off a character. And like, you have such iconic characters, like this rogues gallery of uh, villains and just such rich world and such rich, like everything, everything about it is just so like, you can get so into it. And that's the reason why they're still making movies today. They're rebooting Batman again. Uh, I don't know if you heard, they're making another Gotham TV show too, like set within the world of the new Batman movie that they're creating. So like, yeah, that's just that. like, it's going to be an animated series, right? No, no, no. This is going to be like on HBO Max. I think like live action. I don't know if I read about. Animated, I think it's. I think it's going to be an animated series. They're, they're. That would be cool too. That would be really awesome. I think they're bringing in the same guys that did some of the old Justice League and Batman cartoons. Uh, oh yeah. And, and okay doing an animated tv show set in the same gotham as robert pattinson's the, yeah uh, the new one that we're yeah. about to see but like that right like which i was kind of like well we already got a gotham tv show like just a couple years back which was like the whole jim gordon origin story and the early batman and stuff like that so but these are like again like just timeless stories so there's never you're not going to get at a loss for hearing these kind of stories like it's it's modern day mythology. Like, would you agree with me on that? Kind of, it's kind of like agreed upon and disagreed upon by a lot of people, but I kind of like to believe that the superhero movies of today, kind of those characters, at least not the movies itself, maybe, but the characters, what they represent are kind of our modern day ideals of mythology. Kind of like what, if you kind of shave down mythology and kind of package it into a 21st century box you know you're gonna get a superman a batman and that's why these stories are constantly just revised and iterized in different ways and you know would you kind of agree with me on that yeah the whole point of mythology or the use of mythology back in the day was sort of to allow people to orient themselves within the world and and figure out how to act based on the actions within a story so how a character acts yeah so exactly yeah you want to like model yourself off of hercules or, or people that complete these great feats beyond um you know despite the odds and um i would i would definitely agree that you know it's it's weird calling it mythology um because a lot of it is it is weird yeah because we have different a different version of mythology like in our heads 
Right. Uh, a lot of know. it is just like dumb, goofy comic shit because guess yeah. what? Comics and graphic novels can be dumb and goofy. But in terms of like, um, and it's hard to think also those like old school comic book writers were thinking much of like, you know, like Joseph Campbell's heroic journey and like all those mythic mythological fables. And like, you know, it's hard to think that they were actively writing those things into Batman and Superman of the 1930s. Like if you see those iterations of the character, it, it's just, it's goofier, it's lighter, it's, you know, in color and tone, everything like that. And where it's at today, I think is kind of embodied a different, it's like the audience kind of brings something to it also, I think. You know, like we bring our own, we manifest our own ideals, a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that. What do you, what do you, you I mean, like, point? yeah, okay. Like, I kind of mean in the sense, like, uh, at least looking at movies, like when you look at the trends in movies, it usually shows, like, where is society in, in the world today or, like, in that era, in that current time. So, usually it's a reflection on what is high in society like what is society holding up in terms of highs and also lows like what are our fears what are what do we look at as good values what do we look at as bad values so you'll notice after 9-11 there was uh, a big surge of like films with kind of more um like vague villains kind of more like more an analogy driven towards like terrorists, I guess, like more kind of people didn't have like under the, the shadow villainy kind of thing. Russian villain. You had someone sort of secluded in the shadows, sort of working behind the scenes. Exactly. More shadowy, more. Yeah, exactly. So that embodied the fears of society of our time right now. And then you see kind of growing with that is this increase of like superhero films, you know, and I always thought like just kind of like in my own kid version of thinking about it is yeah like the world wants heroes you know we want more heroes today because look at where we are today and if you look at like just not only today but maybe the last hundred years you know there's been two major world wars countless wars not even just that but constant conflict and it's a reflection i think of of coming from that and like just where we've gone where we're going where we've come from that we haven't lost these heroes along the way you know, it's it's like through all the trends of everything, like this thing of heroes, this this like continuous trend of of the savior figure, like or kind of um, a model of of everything that human beings should be or of our values and stuff like that. Like if you look at Superman, Superman's kind of the the perfect man or everything we should hold ourselves up to. And that the idea of that is kind of what we look at is today is more in the figure of that kind of character, like more of like a Jesus or more of a, a savior. Right. And that's kind of how it's portrayed in film. That's kind of how we talk about it. Whereas I would say like, if you look at it, maybe at a different time period, I wasn't born in the eighties or the seventies. So like, I don't know how the world was or how comic books reflected society back then or stuff like that. I mean, we can read about it today in, 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 in the books, but it's, it's always been, I think, uh, a reflection on society, but today, in today's world, it's more held up to a higher standard. Like, I'm, it's hard to explain, but it's like you can look at how popular the movies are, you know, superhero movies or any kind of, any kind of like, not just about blockbuster, but just about the, the, 
the highest ideals of humanity versus the worst, you know, like the good versus the bad, like these really black and white themes and which mythology it's like rooted in mythology. It's like, why are these stories so prevalent now? You know, why it's like, do we need it more now? Is that, is that kind of what it's saying? Like, those I are the think, questions that kind of pick up on. I think it has a lot to do with, um, uh, I think it has a lot to do with technology. A lot of these movies were attempted to be made, but um, there's obviously some restraints in terms of, you know, how realistic could we betray something as ridiculous as iron man you know what i mean sure i i I feel you on that like the limitations of technology might not have allowed for uh an avengers kind of movie in like you know the 80s to happen in 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 such a way uh i i kind of i I agree with that a little bit but still like there is still uh like a a a link there with with the whole comic book even before the movies before the movies got big there was still always like the idea that like these stories are going to live, you know, like they're kind of going to be immortalized. They're they're not going to die out in an easy way. Not in the comics, at least I'm very fearful for the movies. Um, I don't think it's going to last. I I don't, I don't know what Hollywood's going to do. The movie, like are you talking about the, the fad that we're in right now? Like the whole trend. So if you're, if you're looking at like, obviously like the context of these characters being, sort of mythical to some proportion like it's obviously going to last longer than it is on it's going to last longer on the page than it is on the screen i think sure yeah yeah that well that's where it originates sure right so i'm really concerned about like you know what's the next trend going to be because right now it's superheroes and i think it's going to fall hard i think marvel is going to sort of slowly die because i don't think they're going to carry that momentum after Mm -hmm. i think yeah every they're going to lose their like every every kind of studio or whatever like it'll lose their momentum like you said and just lose touch of what uh originally made me made them good or i think there's like an oversaturation right now of a certain type of superhero movie uh a certain style a certain kind of vibe a certain tone and this is what i see i see there's gonna be either like a transformation within society which is gonna dictate a new type of film experience which is already slowly happening. You know, we can, especially right now, we can see like nobody's going to theaters. Nobody's watching or paying attention or talking about the next Marvel movie. Or, you know, like people are thinking and talking about DC because of the Snyder Cut. Uh, We'll give some credit to that. But I mean, in general, like that hype has kind of died down just because of the world we're living in today. So who's to say next year when we pick up back to normalcy, you know, that that hype train carries off with that same momentum that we just left off like avengers endgame of you know i i don't think necessarily we're gonna go back to that same place and within this time like streaming is just gonna be like or not gonna be like it it pretty much is it's just this the go-to entertainment kind of uh experience i've i've other than people like us talking about movies majority of people would rather pay for a Netflix subscription or pay for on-demand movies when they come out rather than go to a theater. And I think the idea that, you know, we're in a pandemic with virus and whatever, it's not going to make people feel any more comfortable. So that kind of stuff is what I'm talking about. It's what dictates change ultimately. 
and that's going to change the type of movies we want to watch and that how much money goes into those movies etc um and i'll just I'll, I'll spit a quick fact at you here do you know what the most profitable comic book movie is of all time endgame it's no the be. most profitable profitable like, yeah I, I not don't... how much not how much net money it's made but how much profit it gained in terms of like the studio making money back oh i have no idea yeah, it's it surprised me when I first heard it, but it's actually the Joker that just came out. Okay, that makes sense. Right? Because let me just pull it up how much the budget of that movie was. But I think it was something like really small, like $50 million or something like that. Let me just get the numbers right here. No, it couldn't have been uh, big. So the budget, yeah, was like between 50 and $70 million. And the box office return is a billion dollars. So like that's the kind of sign I think where uh, this genre is going and not necessarily towards darker, more, more uh, nihilistic and kind of messed up movies like the Joker. But um, I think more kind of tailored experiences, more character driven. I hope more kind of, I, I like what the Joker was trying to do. Like that kind of taking a case study approach, taking like a more character driven rather than over oh, in the world of superheroes. Like let's just, put this in the world of a character and see where that goes so i think it'd be cool to see that like more humanistic movies about superheroes and that ultimately will like the point of what i'm saying is like this is gonna drive home that notion even further like if we start seeing movies like what the joker represents today is taking this mythological character of the joker which we've seen so many iterations of and really stripping him down to a street level like this is a guy that you could have seen walking down your neighborhood, right? And really familiarizing an audience with it. Like, this is where we're going. And yeah, I mean, I don't really know where I'm going further with that, but it's kind of an interesting point seeing where cinema is taking the genre. I was more talking along the lines of like, how long will audience audiences put up with this revolving door of actors betraying a character? You know what I mean? In terms of, like, within eight years, we've had three Batmans, you know? Yeah. Oh, how many Spider-Mans? Like, right. fuck. Three Spider-Mans Same, as well, right? Pretty much, right? Yeah. So all it, I don't know, like, next time they make a Spider-Man, I'm not really going to care. Like, what's there to do, like... But see, that's the thing. They're not even looking at us anymore. Like, we had our Spider-Man growing up. We had, you know, we had multiple Spider-Mans growing up. And now there's not going to be any shortage of young kids, right? Like they can't, young kids can't live off the Spider-Man that we grew up with. And, you know, it's not going to be the same thing. It's like one, you know, like you look at the Tom Holland Spider-Man today and that's more of like a reflection on today's world and today's youth and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they got to update these characters with the time also. Yeah, but like, is that- And the, just maintain the its the relevancy. the way to do that? Because like the way, the, the rate of what they're updating them as- is astronaut right yeah yeah and i i feel yeah I, i'm with you on that it kind of loses its specialness also a little bit when you get a new spider-man reboot every five years or whatever it is right right and i know why they're putting in a new batman is because the old the the See, setting I, this the is setting what in interests which, me go ahead the the new the story of the new batman um or sorry it's actually not the new batman it's the new flash movie there's something interesting about what rumors i'm hearing um, which is like what DC is kind of considering doing is bringing back Michael Keaton and his Batman from like the 80s 
and incorporating that universe through like the flashpoint and through the multiverse into this mainline DC universe and basically by extension of that saying like all the iterations of Batman and Superman and all these iterations of different characters you've seen you know it's not reboots but these are different universes and at some point or another you know like how kind of in the comic books it shows like these universes can interact and and you get different stuff out of that so if if you know taking that kind of self-aware approach where i think this genre more and more at least throughout the late 2010s i noticed it first i think in like logan and um like yeah logan had a really like self-aware element with showing the x-men comics in it so like having this kind of awareness is it's fresh it's it's like it's new in the genre rather than just like yeah we're superheroes guys like team up and have a full-on we've seen that before we've seen all those cliches so yeah right but i'm more talking about like the cycle of the genre like so what the westerns were a big thing back in the day but they still lasted Mm. quite a quite a while and it took a long time before we got a deconstruction of the genre with no country for old men and we're already sure, so, yeah we're already if, sort of getting that's an that interesting line with yeah. joker and how long is this genre like yeah no you're you're hitting something there it's and that's just the speed of where, where we are like where we're moving you know everything is moving so fast whether it's technology or whatever like it's hollywood is a fast moving machine and everybody's trying to make money and what the the sucky thing is is i think the main motivation is money it's not like let's tell every possible story a great story that we can tell it's it's obviously business first so that's why we're getting you know like they don't want to miss out on a billion dollar movie when they know they can make a billion dollars potentially every year with with a spider-man or a batman movie so i don't necessarily agree with what they're doing like with how the system works in that sense and i'm i'm with you on that thought like what's gonna happen you know like if there's a constant refresh or like just kind of constantly pumping out this thing with like five six superhero movies a year then like eventually people will say like fuck it man like we would need something new we need a, a different type of movie right i don't but, know what's gonna take yeah. the place of that like i really don't know like I don't, yeah I, that's that's interesting what's yeah you know who could have predicted though that marvel movies or, or like just superhero movies would be the biggest blockbuster you know the biggest tentpole names in 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 cinema you know like yeah they were always big movies but they were laughing it, so it's hard back in the day. they were laughing yeah right they were kids movies they're, they're what your parents would take you to but your parents wouldn't necessarily take seriously but now we're like we're getting to a place where your parents can start to take these kind of things seriously now maybe you know i'm saying within the next 10 years like we're not gonna see a lot of superhero movies anymore what i'm interested in is if they kind of like this kind of gets into the animated side like that would be cool and and if the live action kind of it'll you know like it'll get into that it'll slowly fizzle out from the whole bombastic blockbuster nature to like maybe more quiet films to like eventually where it's it's niche again but you know what then again it's it's hard to give a date on that i i couldn't even say 10 years bro like think about marvel right now is probably in an office planning the next 10 years of what movies they're going to make yeah and i so, don't think it's going to gonna say? work i really don't think whatever they have is going to work because that period at the end of the sentence that is endgame is just like you know like good luck writing the next paragraph it's like really i really do think within the next 10 years like popularity is going to wane you already hear people 
you were already he- hearing people like four years ago complaining about oversaturation of the market in terms of sure yeah and it was it was i think that was like peak oversaturation was like around that time 2015 2016 of when like it was like the same superhero movies constantly being pumped out like holy fuck you really couldn't catch a break but like i'm saying i think now we're kind of at least there's like a new thought going into it well, with what, like the with, Joker showing me that a little bit like yeah but Marvel's just, not going to do that Marvel's going to go back into cruise control like they did bef- leading up to um, Infinity War and Endgame because that's what all that's all it was and that was my biggest complaint is they were just in cruise control and they're just pumping out the same movies over and yeah. over I, with different characters. I, I kind of agree with you on that so if they're yeah, going to they, do that they, again people are going to get bored and they're going to get like pissed off and they're just not going to go see it and I, I don't care what they throw at the screen. It's just it's no. Prob- well, you know what? The box office will reflect. They will reflect. You know, that's it's gonna show. Like, I I don't disagree with you. Where I could see that being a possibility. You know, they they're in a comfortable stride. But here's the thing. You know, like I think they're smart people because pulling off what Marvel Studios pulls off and has been pulling off, how many movies they've made, the success of those movies, and the time they've done it, it's. It's no short of like a Star Wars level miracle, like that type of storytelling, that kind of weaving of storytelling. So even if the whole thing fizzles out after Endgame, right? Like we still have this period of Iron Man to Endgame. Like this is a moment, like this is truly a moment of cinema where you have 10 years worth of time, over 20 films, different franchises, right? Within a studio and still like one story like one through line with a first second and third act developing characters proper arcs for the characters and like that's unprecedented for what they've accomplished so like i'll give them the credit that you know maybe they can pull it off a second time maintain that momentum i want to believe that they can but if they can't then we'll see what they do next because i think they they're smart enough to kind of not get left in the dust hopefully you know that's just hopeful talk but like like we can see you can see dc like they've adapted to to the state of what audiences want and the demands of the demands of that and like you know everything like they've kind of taken a 180 approach to to the movies they want to make and i'm i'm all for it like i'm i'm totally fucking with dc's movies now like these are the movies that truthfully like growing up now that you know we're no longer kids we want more like we want more depth to our films i guess now in in not in general not entirely like i still want my fun you know action movies but to see movies kind of taking themselves a little more seriously is is always a good step um but then again like it too much of that is also gonna start to wear or hit a hit a wall so um it's a hard thing to predict what comes next after this point it's like almost impossible I but I really hope I really hope the next trend is not like natural disaster or like pandemic centered movies because that that's kind of possible. I think they'll try, but I think people will see through it. I really do. I I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Yeah, but ten years like you're giving a ten year window. That's kind of short. I don't know about ten years. No, because like the overturn is incredible. It's like it's in like we've had three Batmans in eight years. Like how many more Batmans can we fucking take? You know what I yeah. mean? Like how many before it's like ridiculous, right? I it yeah. I think if they 
They can't they can't they keep don't, up and there's not enough popular characters to keep the genre going. No, but here's the thing. They're almost like you know the phrase jumping the shark? Yeah. Right? Have you heard of that phrase? We're almost going to hit that point of it's exactly what you're saying. Where I think they already hit that point. You man. get I don't think they've hit it yet. I don't think with this Robert Pattinson Batman and what they're what I'm hearing with what they're doing, kind of bringing Michael Keane back, this might be the moment before they jump hit uh jump the shark. This might be right before that, but I think we're still in in a groove, you know, like kind of. I don't think the audience, uh, like, uh, like energy for it. The audience is still hungry for those kind of movies. Like, I don't think that's going anywhere, you know. Even whether if they reboot Robert Pattinson in a couple of years, like, people are still gonna watch Batman. I'm still gonna watch Batman. You know, you're still gonna watch Batman. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, like Robert P might be like. If if he kills it and he does it nice, um, but then five years down the road after he's done, they decide to do another Batman movie. I'm, I might just sit it out. Man. Oh, they'll do it, bro. They'll do it. I know. You like, think they'll they'll give up on that? Like they'll do it after him after he's gone. That's make, not something I can support. But here's the thing: it's here's the thing. What what could make it interesting? Like you don't even know yet, right? Like if they just rebooted Batman, they're like, we're just gonna reboot Batman and. It's going to be something new and entirely different that you haven't seen. And like, okay, great. We've done reboots before. Like there's nothing at some point. The idea of rebooting also gets old. I'm with you on that. But the idea that they're kind of establishing this multiverse and the idea that you can have universes existing and the stories can kind of exist onwards, even if the movies don't exist. Right. So say, say at the end of this Robert Pattinson phase of Batman movies they decide let's reboot Batman but it's fucking Batman Beyond and this is an entirely new Batman and we can start to fucking pick out different Batmans from the continuity from the various continuities and you know tell some kind of grand fucking something crazy something that you could have never fucking expected to see on camera because you know what it's 2025 technology is whatever it is at that point or it's 2030 whatever and you know movies are just you know meant to be epic and awesome and like i think like every time i least expected like something epic happens with movies like surprisingly you know whether it's 2012 and you hear star wars is coming back or it's a couple months ago and you hear Zack snyder's justice league is coming out like these kind of things tend to surprise you so i'm i'm gonna keep my fingers crossed in the sense that we still haven't hit like i, I don't want to believe endgame is the height of it. I want to think that, you know, we could still maybe go more. That's just me. I like, I really, I really like it's, I don't, but, th- yo, I don't think but this is the happen, thing. Man. They're fun movies. They're fun movies, right? Like even if yeah, but they're even not like, like fun movies. Yeah. But like the way they were able to exploit the characters and sort of drag them out through the comics is it's not going to work in a moving setting because comics aren't, general audience movies are general audience so the like obscure shit that they needed to do to be able to continue the characters was it, i just don't think it's gonna work and they like but like money there, talks, yo, you man. just it's said it there right you just said it you just said it there's like fuck who knows how like 50 70 60 like i don't even know what the number is how many years of comic book history different continuities different timelines different iterate like hundreds of iterations of characters right like yet fans have stuck through all of that it's constant reboots constant 
over throwing a new Batman into the mix with right, a different Spider-Man. Right, but comics now. are and, less you know, popular now than they were. And right. comics are less expensive to make overall, so you can still make them. But whereas movies, when you start to go more towards people... I would I would only, disagree with you saying comics are less uh, less popular now. I would think with the whole thing with like the boom of the movies, people are buying, like, kind of looking in that direction at least a little more. You know, where, whereas if they weren't, uh, now they could be. I'm I, I I would be evidence of that. You know, like I casually read, I I watched more of the animated superhero shows than reading comics. Like that was my uh, like nostalgia. Like that's where I kind of got into those characters was the TV shows. Um, but now, like seeing them in the movies, kind of fleshed out as they are, makes me want to buy these books and and see what the history is, what the mythology of these characters are and like you know what these stories are being drawn from so i would kind of disagree with you on that comic book point like it's still a it's a completely niche thing right comic book stores aren't big you know they're like mom and pop shops they're just little hobby stores mm-hmm. like it's it's like it's like you know vinyl with me it's like vinyl's not sure yeah it's but look yeah like, you know what you you could be right this this whole genre could become a niche thing at the end of the day and look at how entertainment and like and if it's a niche thing though, like, that's what taking, i'm saying though if it becomes a niche thing but yo niche will never be as niche as like vinyl it will never be like that kind of niche. no but if like it, the genre reach too high to get to that point if the genre of the superhero movies starts to cater towards more of a specific audience it won't last because the amount of budget they need to make those superhero movies won't be able to compensate with the the audience they're going after well the, here's my argument this is what i'm saying is as we see like time progress audiences like the changing of audiences the changing of society things like that is going to dictate how movies are going to be made so i'm sure marvel is also a bit self-aware that they can continue making the same template movie another 10 years i'm if they're not self-aware about that at this point then you're right after 10 years we'll see what happens but yeah but like I think like if you look at DC and what they're doing with their movies and I'm not trying to fanboy too hard on them I'm just trying to from what I see and kind of their approach on it where it's less focused on this cinematic universe and having every movie be the same thing for the same kind of type of audience you know you get movies like the Batman and the new Suicide Squad coming out and the Joker and like you have still parallel to that Aquaman which is a family kids movie but you can have adult superhero movies. You could have thrillers. You could have horror. You could have really deep-rooted comedies, R-rated comedies like Deadpool. So you're getting into these more kind of sub-genres almost, like for specific tonally kind of tones of the audience. Like how I feel about it is the superhero genre is becoming its its own category of film now, which won't die off. Like horror hasn't died off. At some point, you could have said horror was the biggest genre, but, and like today, maybe it's not the biggest, but you know, like that doesn't mean horror is going to die. Nobody's like, everybody is still going to watch horror movies. People are still going to make horror movies. And, you know, it's, I think superheroes movies or that genre will carry off similarly, where you could have a sci fi superhero movie, you could have a horror superhero movie. It might not be the biggest movie of the year that year, but there was. I feel like there will always be an audience. There's always going to be that kind of group of people. Here's the difference, though. Um, the characters that drive 
those superhero movies can only be utilized so much before it becomes completely redundant to use them at all. Right? When you're talking about different genres, you can create unique and new characters and you can create unique and new stories. But with like this comic book thing, it's like, yeah, like you have different genres in terms of like a character study for Joker. But how many times can you do that with Joker? Right. How many times can you? Well, rehash there, the same? I, I don't want to see. Yeah, I don't want to see four Joker's Joker movies of the same movie. But that doesn't mean I want to I don't want to see four different Jokers. Right. We have a Heath Ledger Joker, right? Arguably one of the greatest performances for any movie, like, like take it to the side that it's a comic book movie. But, like, and then you have Joaquin Phoenix, another great actor giving a great performance. And it's, you know, I wouldn't want to deprive myself or other audiences to think we can't have more of things like that. More different yet, you know, like, still still in tune with the character you know like you're not getting you're not getting heath ledger's joker out of the recent joker movie you're getting something new and if they gave out a reboot of that movie where it's like the exact same thing kind of that same style then yeah i'd be disappointed but you know i I, i'm still glad that there's we can look back on the different iterations and that there will still probably be different versions of the character you know but you're right like what the the day they start to kind of like look like kind of rely too much on what they've done and stuff like that then that's when you kind of hit problems and it's coming soon because like you know the the conveyor belt on which they they roll these movies out is just astonishing and um i really you know it's actually maybe it's just a secret hope of mine i kind of don't want the genre to last anymore because it's kind of like infecting the movie industry and a lot of different ways that I don't like to where even things like Star Wars don't feel like Star Wars. They feel like a superhero movie. And, and it's just, I don't know. I kind of want the, I kind of want to see what's new because I want new stuff. I want original characters. I want original stories again. Yeah. I want people to be creative. That's, that's like, and, and that's like just one of the downsides of the time we're living in in movies where we're not getting enough of that. Like I completely agree with you. That's, kind of a fault to the superhero genre where it's the most popular thing right now therefore that's where the money's gonna go that's where audiences are gonna go and you know less attention to original stuff so i'm with you on that but the bright side to it is you know we're getting things like more streaming options more there's now more platforms for movies to be made seen shown like all that than ever so you know like there will always be those theater kind of experiences and I don't want those to go anywhere either. You know, I, I love the idea of going to a movie theater experience, like an event and, and really having a good time there. And I still want to have the option to go see a quiet film, a new thing, something I've never seen before, you know? So it, I get worried when that, that kind of conversation starts to come up, like superhero movies are just going to take over the theater experience and like nothing else will be able to exist that scares me like i i really hope it never gets to that point 